first of all, I, I want to thank um, CAF and uh, the organizers in the Latin American and Caribbean um, the, uh, Center, sorry, here at Oxford for the invitation. And it's a pleasure to be here. Um, we, we worked on, on the issue of middle classes. Um, I think it was the first report by an international organization. It's not the best. I would say the best is the one that Luis Felipe wrote. <laughs> um, but it was the first. It had all the good first mover advantage and all the disadvantages it has when you start working on a new topic. But I think it's still interesting. We did that in 2010. But I think it's still an interesting and relevant topic for the region. Um, I definitely will do more karaoke. Um, so, <laughs> but, um, so I will talk a little bit more about mobility. But I think you know, we had, we've had, in, in a series of, of sessions, I think both are very much linked. Yeah, so the idea of, of, of not having downward mobility in the sense of having economic and security is one of the things that, that obviously the middle class is identified with or, or we usually think about. And the other, it, show, it showed up also in, in, in Carol's presentation, marginally, etc. but the idea of you know, being a way or, or a part of society that aspires to more and, and wants to move up in a certain way. So upward mobility, either through entrepreneurship or um, you know, the more just moving up in, in, in the labor market, etc., is, is one of the things that also come up very clearly, even if we think you know, the, the presentations we had on values or what, what the middle class does in terms of investing in, in education, etc. So that's why, why I will focus on, on education. And, and as all economists, I will obviously not, not answer the question, but I'm happy you didn't answer it also, <laughs> um, or whether it's sustainable or not. But um, I think um, that there are two things to this. I mean, probably we, we have to really think about the different countries because I, I, I think that the realities are, are different in, in, in the region. We have the Americas, not, we have, it's not one uniform situation. And the other has to do with a lot of the things that, that Ludolfo was also mentioning. I think, and I'm happy that, to know that CAF is going to work on state capacity um, in the near future, you're already working on that because I think that that's a key issue also. If we think about, I'm going to talk a little bit about policies, but I really think that you know, the capacity to implement these policies and a more general way to implement an agenda or, or, or strategy you know, that includes the middle class and makes the Latin American societies more inclusive is key, and especially when we think about a situation, not a crisis, but when growth is going to be much lower than than in the past decade. So if you, I'm standing with you, between you and not, not the sun, but the pup probably. But um, I, so I try to go fast through what I want to talk about. I want to present some of the evidence um, that I've worked on on, on social mobility in, 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 in education in Latin America. And the bottom line actually is if you look at that, things don't look that good for Latin America. Yeah? So we see this growth of the middle class, etc. but in general term, it's still, and if you think, it's very much related also to still being very unequal. Even though there has been progress, etc., um, the different measures of mobility s still show that Latin America is a, is a region where mobility is very low, relatively low. Yeah? Um, I talk a little bit about policies and, and education, and just some, and I already gave you the main takeaway, but I think in, in terms of challenges and opportunities of the current situation for, for the region. So, obviously, 
as when economists talk, talk about mobility, it's like talking about middle class or something like that. We care about income, yeah, but this is not true. Um, the conceptual issues are huge. Yeah, obviously, mobility is also a multi-dimensional concept, and I think um, you know, Luis Felipe has worked on this also with Florencia Torche, I think has very nice work on, on bringing a little bit together the economists and the sociologists on, on these issues. It's, there's not a lot of overlap, but um, I, I think that both aspects are, are very important. And then there's also, in terms of mobility, as, as we, similar as, as we define the issue of the middle class, whether we should look at relative or absolute boundaries, it's also true um, that it depends what type of mo mobility we, we think about. Is it a relative? So if you're moving up on the ladder within the society, so you're above the Jones now or something like that, or if it's what really matters, the, the absolute mobility. So if everybody's doing better or in, in absolute terms. And, and um, I will not give an answer to this, but many of the things I, I present here are more ba based on, on, on relative issues more than, but that's more driven by data than by the real concern about that. Um, data, very fast. Um, unfortunately, we, we're starting to get more panel information, you know, and following the same family or household over time, but um, there's still very few inf information on this. There's some, some more data on, you know, asking people, what about your parents or something like that, and this is mainly what I'm going to use here. Um, which comes from Latino Barometro, La Pop, and these are all small samples and have lots of problems, um, especially when you want to measure income. Yeah? And so that's also one of the issues why I focus more on education more than, than on income. But there's some, obviously some work that, 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 that um, the World Bank, the, the team at the World Bank did, and I think it's, it's, it complements mainly what, what I'm going to show here. It's, it goes, goes in the same direction, I think. So, and so here, what I'm going to focus on is on formal education. We know that education is so earnings are driven by much more things than, than only if how many years you stayed in school, obviously. But this is, in general, something that we use as a rough proxy, and and we know that 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 it drives a lot of the difference in earning is driven by differences in, in education. Of course, there are other things, talent, etc., and other traits that we cannot measure that easily. Um, data availability for a relative large group of countries. So here we're interested also to, to compare countries. And I present also some, some um, results based on, on OECD PISA data on the test course and some of the socioeconomic background, which is also interesting. And the more and more countries of the region are covered by, by, by the, the PISA studies. So in a certain way, I'm just going to be very fast here. If you look at enrollment rates or something like that, and, and, and this is also, and even at achievements, you know, there's a positive story, and I think it's also, if you look at the long run in a certain way, you know, education levels have, have gone up, um, especially obviously in primary, but also secondary, and, and there's a, a bunch of countries also have been, done a lot of progress in, in tertiary education. If you go, the higher we go, the, the more it reflects still differences in income groups, for example. If you look at the right-hand panel, you have this enrollment rates by income quintile, and the first is primary. So we have, on average, these are, I think the, the, these data come from settlers, actually. Um, but these are, on average, um, in primary, we have pretty much, you know, not universal coverage, but um, high coverage in all income groups. But if, if we look at secondary or tertiary education, still it's the, the, the upper income groups are still much more likely to, to be enrolled in, in secondary or in tertiary education. If, you, if we look at also... Um, 
So these are graduation rates, you know. And um, there's also this, this, still this, in high school, so secondary school, there's still this upward relationship, yeah. So in, in some countries more than in others. For example, Mexico, here's an underperformer compared to Chile, for example, in terms of, you know, still having lots of dropouts in, in high school, yeah. And this very much related to the socioeconomic um, background. If, if I would, I don't have it here, but if I would put my, or one of my countries, which is um, Uruguay, it's also, I, I'm always astonished because it looks very, very bad also, for example. Yeah? And so even the country that has a large middle class, etc., from a dynamic point of view, you, you would really be worried about when you see these type of things. Um, so in terms of measuring inter, inter, intergenerational mobility, here we just, one measure, there are many, and then Gary Solon is, has, you know, is one of the economists who has worked a lot on these measures, etc. You can, here's just a, I'm going to talk about two things. Yeah? What's, one is just this, this regression, yes, it's the own education, so it's here, it's in years, or, or you can have uh, also categories, you know, sort of, sort of secondary, incomplete, completed, tertiary, etc., on the parental education, yeah, so it's the generation, the T is the generation, yeah. And so one way to look at this is how much, how big is this beta coefficient, yeah? So one more year of education of the parents, how much does it imply in, in years of, of, of um, the offspring, yeah? And if you look at this, here I just present for, for different courts. So these are people who were in 2008, were above 55 years, and here are people who were above 25 in 2008. So it's with respect to their parents. Yeah? So you would see that for the younger, this coefficient goes down, which means there should be, it's less, it's, your achievement is less important, it's less important what your parents did in terms of, um, from that point of view. But it, obviously, there's another way of measuring this. So this would be a good story in a certain sense. You say, okay, mobility is higher, you know, for the, for the younger courts. But, um, if you, another measure would be, um, I'm not going to get into the technical issues here, but here it depends how the variances of these things evolve, and that, that, that is crucial for, for the measure of the beta coefficient. And if you look just at correlations, so what, what is the correlation coefficient between, so it's sort of more, what, what part of the variation in, in, in education you're for a certain cohort is explained by the variation in, in, in education of their parents. So it's a different way of trying to address the same question. So if we do that, oops, oops, I don't have it here. We have it. Here I have it. Okay. If you do that, then the things actually look sort of not so, not, not so bright in a certain way. That there has been very, very little movement um, from, from that point of view. So still education in terms of explaining, you know, the, the, the differences in, in, in outcomes across them. Um, in one generation, it's very much the, the same amount of the variances explained by the parental education, yes? Um, so not a lot. If you ask me, I prefer this measure, actually. Um, and, and there's not a lot of, of, of movement there. I, I just, other, there are other measures, yeah. There's, there's another measure. There's a measure um, of social mobility index, and these are um, our friends from, from Sedlas have worked on this in, in the Universidad de La Plata. And it sort of looks at how important are the household characteristics of parental education, um, some of the income things, etc., on 
on, on schooling, on, on the schooling gap. So, you know, if you're 15, you should be, I don't know, in third grade or something like that. So if you're lagging behind, how much of that is explained by, by, by the household characteristics? And if you look at that, so for the 1990s and, and the 2000s, there are a couple of countries that actually increased their, their mobility in a certain way. Yeah? So this is Peru, Brazil, Venezuela, and Chile are the ones that are significant. And it fell in Colombia and Uruguay significantly. And for the other, it's not a, not a significant change. So it's also, um, I think this is more a short-term measure than the others are more long-term things that because these people, we don't, still don't know if they're going to finish high school or not, etc. So, but um, here it's sort of, not a lot has, has changed, but some countries have improved, others um, have, have um, actually fallen. But if, we, if you look at, and this is other work by, by, by Hertz and, 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 and his co-authors a little bit, a couple of years ago already, but they had like a big, big, you know, sample of, of around 65 developing countries and looking at, at these correlations um, for, for, for all of them. And, and what you see is that, that the, the correlation coefficient is much higher in Latin America. These are, by the way, these are the data that I'm using from Latino Barometer, and these are the data that they use from, from household surveys. So just to be sure that it's not so different, even though I'm, I'm much more convinced that the quality of these data are better, <laughs> um, much better. <laughs> um, but just if... If, if, the way to read this is obviously that mobility is much lower in Latin America. Or there's what your parents' background is still much more important for your outcomes than in other than in other regions. Yeah. Um, other ways to look at this is also, if I haven't convinced you yet, you know, it's like to look at um, the the transition probability matrices of of these issues. Yeah. So this is sort of, this is the probability that. That, that you have of completing tertiary education given that your parents completed, have completed tertiary education. And this is the probability if your parents were illiterate. Yeah? So it's basically zero. And these other guys are like 0.5 or something like that. You see there's a strong correlation still you know, with parental background. Also, if we don't impose, so if we look at, at just the transition matrices. PISA. Another way, still, if, if, you, if, you, if you don't believe me, another way of, of, of measuring this is to say, okay, how much of the test scores yeah, on, the, on, this, on the horizontal axis, what we have is how much of the test scores variation is explained by the socioeconomic background in the family. So, you know, greater equity would mean that, that household, your household doesn't matter for, your, for, for the test scores in that country, yeah, whatever your background doesn't, it's not important in terms of the outcome of test scores. And, and on the vertical axis, we have the average national test score. Yeah? So most of the Latin American countries are in the bad quadrant in where you wouldn't want to be, yeah? which is the quadrant where this is just cut by on the OECD average. Yeah? But um, the quadrant where you are, where parental education is very important to explain background, and where you don't, and the system on average doesn't achieve a lot, yeah? So Mexico is over here, but I'm, I'm not so sure. It used to be in the, in the previous, in the previous um, survey, it used, in the previous round of PISA, it was here and it moved here. It was the biggest jump. Um, maybe, Luis Felipe, you have, a, you have a hypothesis about this, or it's just one of the 
problems that PISA has that we haven't detected yet. <laughs> but um, again, what, what I, from this graph, what's, clearly, what's clear is that, again, parental background is very important to explain performance in, in education in the region, and also the average performance is bad. So that's also a measure, if you want, of quality of outcomes is, is, is also bad. So where does it leave us? I, one of the things I've got to do, and many of these things are not, um, are more related to mobility, not to the middle class. Yeah? I think, and, and this is something I, I got quite convinced, and I think that, that um, you know, Heckman, James Heckman has done terrific work on, on this issue to, to really quantify the, the big, big effects of, of, of investments in, in, well, in, at birth, basically, but also in early childhood, etc. And, and I really think that the, the estimates are quite credible and they're large. Yeah? So if a lot of the things actually are already determined in terms of the capacities of, of children before they get into the schooling system, so we have to think about policies also you know, to level the playing field before. Yeah? So it has to do with, um, with nutrition, it has to do with health, etc. But, but definitely this is one of the things that, that many of the, of the Latin American countries have to do more, even though this is a policy for the poor and, 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 and mainly that benefits the poor. So we have to think about how, we have to really think about how to finance this or how this can be part of, of, of a bigger package, I, I think. Um, the other issue is, I, I think, and this we agree, and I think this is key, is it has to do, and I think there's still space in many of the countries if you, to have more secondary education also. I mean, more in the sense, you, but it's linked. You know, better would also, if, if secondary education is better, it's more relevant, et cetera, it, 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 it also it's going to decrease the dropouts, for example, in the vulnerable groups that, that have a choice to go to the labor market. And this, this is not a, an easy choice they have to do. So, you know, there, there are many things that, that have to be done, you know, and, and, and it's not easy. Um, here I'm just putting some of them. You know, even in some cases, even one has to think about, we have still in some countries only nine years of compulsory education. You know, some countries have moved to 12, and many will tell me, yeah, but if this is not enforced, it's not, you know, why, why is this um, relevant? And it's true. For some of the poorer households, you have to think about still giving some incentives for people to stay, stay in school. You see this even in, in Mexico, for example, when, you know, Progresa en Oportunidades, it started, you know, with the kids staying in, in, in primary school and then the subsidy, you know, was, was lowered and then they would drop out immediately, you know. And so it, it, it seems that this is really binding even in secondary. So you, you have to think about for the poor households to still give, um, think about the, the incentives for that. And, and, and the focus on quality results and skills, I think, is very important. Um, why do I say I, I agree with what Guillermo is saying, that there's, there's an issue that this opting out and that the middle class is, is going to private schools, etc. But if you look at, but if you look at the, the, the results in PISA, for example, you know, not all of this, this varies by country, but many of the, of the good scores, you know, that, that you get in Latin America, it's not because the private school is so good because it's private. It's, it is because it has the best students in a certain way. Yeah? So I don't have the graph here, you know, but for example, we did some, some est estimates on this. And, and, and in general, most of the Latin American systems underperform in terms of PISA scores, even if you take into, once you take into account the difference, you know, in the, in the, in the social mix that, that, that the schools have, you know. 
So quality per se, even in the private schools, is important. But if you raise quality in the, in the, in the public school system, you know, you, you at least um, maybe retain and have a bigger mix, a better mix in, in the schools. And this is also something that Luis Felipe, was, you were saying. I, think, I really think that schools is one of the places, the, the few places where, where people from different classes mix. You know, and meet, etc. And so, of course, you know, when, when we wrote this report, the editor was a, a guy who works for the Economist. <laughs> Remember, you know, and he, he saw this some of the things that we wrote about school mix, etc. He said, "Oh, this will never work. We tried this in the UK. You know, having like people from from poor neighborhoods going to the good schools, etc." And I think one has, to, I think you know, one has to think about these things. Um, in Latin America and how we can get there. Because, but we need the middle class to opt for these schools also. I mean, the super rich are never going to be there. They're going to go to boarding school in Switzerland. But, um, but they, we really need this in, in order to, to, to have a better mix. And just when it, this is what I just was saying. I think the other issue is on tertiary education. This is something that touches much more the, 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 the middle classes, if you want. And the tra- I like, very much like um, Ludolfo's distinction between the traditional and the new middle class, because I think this is one of the issues that we should discuss much more. But um, I think the financing aspects of tertiary education is, is, is key. And there are trade-offs. There are clearly trade-offs, you know. Um, but one has to think about how, how one can compensate the different parts of, of society here, because um, this is an issue that, that very much touches the interests of the, of the middle class and, and, and is key also for, for, for their um, concerns. So... I just want to finish with two, two things, and then I'm done. <laughs> um, and another thing that has to do with this, because we're talking about, you know, many times when we talk about mobility, it seems like it's, it's inter- intergenerational mobility, and many of the things I've said have to do with opportunities, actually. And I very much like the work also that Chico Ferreira and, and his colleagues did at the World Bank. In a certain way, to think about opportunities and how much of our just background, where we were born, what, what color is our skin, etc., and what gender we are, etc., how much this is still very important in Latin America. But there are also other aspects in a certain way. And this has to do, obviously, with you know, financial constraints and all sorts of things. But you know, addressing income inequality also might help you know, some of the more long-term transmission of inequality across generations. So we have to think about also you know, these type of policies with the longer time term horizon in terms of the mobility. If I have to put things on, you know, here's a balance, I don't know, it's going like left to the, to the bad side, but um, I think we, we can discuss this um, further afterwards. Or, or, but I think the risks are clear. I mean, lower growth is, is there, and um, it, it might, it, it's already bringing challenges. Yeah? I, I think one of the issues are, are these issues of unfulfilled expectations yeah? regarding either because you did well, in the last decade, you, you moved out of poverty or, or you moved from the vulnerable to the middle class, etc. And this might not continue like that in, in, in the future. Yeah? And, and people are going to be worried because if you lose your job, then you're in trouble. We still don't have strong social safety nets, etc. You know? So the weak labor markets in absence of, of these broader social safety nets you know, are, are, are going to be a big issue here. And... Um, of course, there could always be an opportunity that we say, okay, if this is a good... We, we know that some of the literature says, you know, the bad moments, not the crisis, but maybe bad moments are, are, are moments for reasonable reforms and good reforms, and maybe 
there is some aspect in some of the countries that, you know, that, that make it possible. I think that I'm not pessimistic about the whole region. I think there are some countries that could actually move in this direction. But it very much depends, again, and here I agree, on, on the capacity of the political system or political parties to channel these demands in a, in, a, in a reasonable way, and that's also sustainable from a macroeconomic perspective, etc., and it doesn't hurt growth, and the capacity of the state of, for implementing this. And these are two of the um, Achilles, you know, we have two of the big, big problems in, in the region. So thank you very much. Thank you.